Today's show is sponsored by our friends at distilleryproducts.com. I could talk about this forever. You already know the drill. If you need awesome laser edge glassware at wholesale prices and you are a bourbon group, you are a store, you're a distillery, you got to talk to the folks at distilleryproducts.com. Reach out to me. I would be happy to get you in touch with them. They have amazing prices and do amazing work at distilleryproducts.com. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at Orca Coolers. Make this summer the coolest summer ever. With Orca, they have something for everyone from American-made, lifetime-guaranteed hardside coolers to stainless steel whiskey barrel tumblers. They're ready to have your name on it. I got a hard cooler, a soft cooler. I got a few of these whiskey barrel tumblers. I'm getting ready to make my barbecues awesome. Use code DADS20 for 20% off of your order at Orca Coolers. That is code DADS20. Adds 20 and you're going to get 20% off. And that actually means something pretty substantial when you go to get a new cooler. So check them out. OrcaCoolers.com. Use code DADS20 for 20% off. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at Action247.com. You want action? Get in on the action at Action247.com. The only sports book by Tennesseans for Tennesseans. And it is the NHL playoffs. The Preds are playing against Carolina Hurricanes. So for every Preds playoff games, if the Preds win, you win. Bet $5 on the game and you'll get a $10 free bet for every goal the Preds win by. So if they win by 4-1, to one, you're going to get a $30 free bet. The Grizzlies are also in the playoffs. NBA playoffs are going on. Bet $5 on the Grizzlies. If they win, you get your winnings plus a $12 free bet. And of course, if you use code DADS100, they are going to match up to $400 of your deposit. Check out all the boosts they have. Visit the special section of their sports book at action247.com. So Zeke, I forgot how much this room echoes. I have not been in this room with you recording in over a year. I forgot how much this echoes. What people can't see right now is we have rigged it up where like I put pillows on the table. I have a sound box in front of my microphone I feel bad for our poor guest here that is just seeing us jerry-rig MacGyver style a whole thing here just so we can record and it doesn't sound dumb. You have nothing to say to that. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. I, I didn't know I was supposed to follow up with that. I just thought you were giving us your thoughts and opinions. But, you know, if you need something, I have been thoroughly impressed as well at how much I really missed watching you set all this shit up while I do absolutely nothing. I, I mean, I didn't realize how much I missed that. It's bringing back the resentments that I had. <laughs> and I thought I had put those away. But like, the good thing is I don't have expectations. And if I expect you to do stuff and then you don't do it. I mean, by now, if you did all that, I would just call you stupid. <laughs> Everyone, my name is John Edwards, and with me as always is Zeke Baker, and together we make the Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. And Zeke, thank you for fitting me in your busy schedule. I know you got a busy schedule this week. Every week, son. Stepping and fetching. 
Zeke's got a busy week this week, but he's making time for us. And it is great to see you in person and record with you. Even though I know 99% of the time when it's just you and I, we're going to continue to be lazy and record virtually. I don't know about the we thing on this. You you make the suggestions of, you want to just zoom it? Okay. <laughs> I just, you know, go along with things here. Remember, I'm, I'm the pacifist. I'm the easygoing one. Of, ah, why not? You know I'm not leaving my house unless I have to. I mean, that or the Krispy Kreme sign goes on fresh hot and you're out the door quick. Now, can I... Can I admit something to you? <laughs> like, this is a big thing. This might be one of the most controversial things I will ever say on this show. I don't love Krispy Kreme donuts. Well, it's because, yeah, you've been eating them bougie ones. No, I'm a Dunkin' Donuts guy. I'm from New England. I see the stuff you put on the grams. Those aren't Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, you mean or... tiny little donuts? It's the bougie ones, like $5 a donut kind of thing. No, it's $5 for a dozen tiny little donuts. Or it's more than a dozen. It's more than 12 of them, but it's a a little paper boat full of them. I'm just pretty sure the places you're getting these donuts from are not, you know, your run-of-the-mill Krispy Kreme or Dunkin'. No, my favorite types of donuts are Boston cream and jelly from Dunkin' Donuts. Ugh. And the honey dips are pretty good, too. I know what that is. That's like the glazed ones. Like at Krispy Kreme, it would be the glazed but it's honey, or is it just like syrup, sugar glaze? It's like sugar glaze with honey. It's very sweet. The opposite of you. Whatever works for you. <laughs> and you don't have a preference on donuts or anything? I'm not really big on pastries. I like sugars. You're more of a cereal. I mean, you eat Lucky Charms. I eat lots of cereals. I don't like pastries, though. Like, if I eat a donut, I wait till nobody's watching, and I just literally, like, cherry pick off all the toppings, and then I'm done. I actually have not had a donut. It's been a few months since I've taken Sophia to Tiny Little Donuts. I bet she's missing out. Why must you pick apart everything <laughs> I do with my life? You know, if a volleyball gets lobbed, <laughs> you're supposed to spike it. If you're in that position, you could just like maybe be a setter. I'm six foot four. I'm always in position to spike. <laughs> you got ups? I don't have to. I'm six foot four. Well, you have to get above the net somehow. I got arms like an orangutan. I'm good. You're good at volleyball? Well, plus, like, I don't know about you, but I kind of like subtly figured out this move of anytime you go to like spike the ball or even blocking. When you jump, you always just kind of throw one leg out under the net so that whoever's across from it, they don't jump as good. I think you could get called for that. Not when you're bullshitting with your friends. Ain't no riff. Oh, I mean, if you're bullshitting with your friends, 100%, you're it's not like getting... calling traveling in a pickup game of basketball. You do that one time, you're off the court. Like, who let this guy come play? Man. Well, did you have anything? Because I know I was going on here. I kind of was excited to be in a room with you. But did you have anything that you wanted to say? Anything you want to get off your chest? No, I'm, I'm really good. I'm glad you're good. You're still rocking that haircut. I'm telling you... Whoever your hair person is, keep them, tip them extra. The fact that they covered up your receding widow's peak. <laughs> your hair looks really good. It's like you shaved five years off your age. You know, I, hey, I told her it looked really good. Be back again in a few weeks. I think you need to give them a tip because looks great. 
I think our guest Ariel would say that your hair looks great too. Her husband Kyle is over there, so he will not get jealous if she says your hair looks good. But our friend Ariel Yan from Woodenville Whiskey is here. Thank you for sitting here while we bullshitted, but it is great to have a person here at Zeke's B&B recording again. Well, it is fantastic to be here. Thank you for having me. And your hair does look fabulous. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely wasn't talking to John. (laughs) It really is good. I mean, I I know our listeners want to hear about Woodenville whiskey. They don't want to hear about your hair. It really does look good. Like, I want to put up a picture of you with your old haircut and a picture of you now and just let the people, like, vote on how good it looks and they're going to tell you to keep it this way for the rest of your life. I've been rocking some pharmaceutical stuff, too, though, so it's okay. Oh, really? Yeah, you know, a little PEDs here and there. Growing your hair back? I, I, I can't divulge everything, but, I mean, I have some things at my disposal. So you need some performance-enhancing drugs to get your hair back? There's stuff you can apply to your head that helps. Is it like Nioxin or Rogaine? Or I'm what? not telling you what's in there, son. Zeke's got a secret haircut <laughs> formula. <laughs> Anyways, Ariel, how are you? You are down here from Louisville. You're staying in the Nashville area. You made a trip down just to see us and to go to 55 South. How are you tonight? I am wonderful. It feels so good to be down here and on the road again. And I love Nashville. Such a fun city. And it's amazing to see live music coming back. And again, sitting in a room drinking whiskey. That is something you can't replace. Did you well go- with you all? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> did you go downtown at all and, and check out some music? We sure did. Last night came in a night early, so made a little trip out of it, and it was awesome to see people in the streets dancing along, having a good old time on a Monday night. <laughs> Nashville is crazier than it was before. It was starting to get very, very crazy pre-COVID. And now that everything has opened up, I mean, this is like week two of not having to wear a mask. And I think everybody in downtown Nashville has gone crazy. It seemed like people were ready just for whatever the world was going to throw at them. And I've never seen a John Deere tractor pulling a crowd of people behind them (laughs) on a trailer, just partying like there was no tomorrow. (laughs) If you're going to have party buses, you're going to have all that other stuff, just shut down Broadway. That makes a lot of sense. Like, nobody should drive on it. It should just be a place (laughs) where you can open carry. Like, there's gates in the front, just like 4th Street. Like, you can walk around. Everybody has a good time. Because there's so many people now, they don't fit on the sidewalk. No, not even for a Monday night, they were barely fitting out there. But we did go to our favorite spot. And I would say that's probably what Nashville was like before Robert's Western World. I was going to say, I mean, (laughs) you could tell a type of person by whether or not Robert's is their favorite. Robert's is my favorite. I love going in the back at a bologna sandwich with a PBR. We might have had one last night. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Zeke over here, it might surprise you. His favorite place in downtown Nashville is Kid Rock's. No, it wasn't open when I was downtown all the time. Oh, I'm saying now, I mean, Zeke was in a Kid Rock music video. (laughs) I would love to see this. Once. 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 Amazing. (laughs) Tell me you're from Nashville without telling me you're from Nashville. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. But I'm glad you enjoyed So you went to Robert's. Where else did you go? We had dinner at Ellington's. 
which is a little off Broadway, maybe two or three, on the fourth floor of the Fairline Hotel, I think. Delicious. Had some fancy chicken and dumplings. I would have to say I've never had anything like that. Instead of dumplings, they were gnocchi, which was pretty cool. So it was, you know, elevated Southern fare. And then we went to Penn's and played some duck ball, I think that's what you call. I would imagine it's like ski ball and bowling had a baby. You're still rolling a ball, but it's smaller than a bowling ball and a shorter length to get it there. So that was a lot of fun, too. I think it's a place in the Gulch, right? Yes. Yeah, I've been there once. I really miss the duck fat tater tots from Merchants. <laughs> I have not been there. And for, I mean, downtown stuff, the rapper that's outside, the, he's got an Instagram. You know, the guy who just sits there and plays the drums the whole time and raps about everybody that walks I, by. I recollect this. Yeah. He's got an Instagram. Probably walk downtown and see it in front of his rig. That would mean that I would actually have to go downtown. I know, which would be even further away from your home than this place, which is just not going to happen. The, the truck won't do it. The GPS won't allow it. John's like, no. It's Broadway Rapper. Yes. That, that's his Instagram, Broadway oh, yeah, Rapper. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. <laughs> there, there you go. I just don't want to be rapped about it, I don't think, so maybe I'll avoid that block. <laughs> We've got all that out of the way. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. I mean, we're, we're now 10 minutes into the show and they're going to be like, Joe, why are we just getting to that right now? Well, we have to talk a little bit about Nashville and Louisville, you know, but I am the development manager for Woodenville Whiskey. I've been with them uh, almost six years now, started in the tasting room, became their first salesperson. For a while, I was the national brand ambassador, super cool, and just recently got promoted to development manager. So still some very cool things, but now more business aspect, I guess, operations on shipping and allocations and whatnot. So Woodenville is now in its 11th year of business. Pretty crazy. So about half the time I've been with them, which is incredible to see the growth from Washington only to now 23 states. And I get to sling some whiskey, talk about whiskey. There's a little bit of work involved, but most of the time it's a dream job. What got you into whiskey? Well, I think being a Kentucky girl, I've always loved my bourbon. Maybe in, in a little too young, but had some early times in Coke here and there. And then I started working in restaurants through college and after college and uh, fell in love with bourbon and learning as much as I could. And once I turned 21, started visiting distilleries when I came back home to visit with family. First bottle of bourbon I ever bought legally was a Double oaked from Woodford Reserve. I thought I was the coolest 21-year-old around because it was the more expensive option, you know? <laughs> and uh, then I started working for an American Tavern. We had uh, lots of whiskeys from there, and I met Kyle, and we took a five-week road trip across the country, quit our jobs, sold his car, didn't know where we were going to live, ended up in Seattle. I saw a <laughs> posting on Craigslist, of all things, for a tasting room server. And I was like, you know what? This would be pretty cool. I've been on hospitality, food and beverage. Maybe working for the distillery side would be a lot of fun. So that whole first year, did a lot of tasting, some tours, and moved up from there. So were you UK or U of L or someplace else? I actually went to school at George Mason University in Northern Virginia. My dad and stepmom are active duty military, and yet they have this clause where you can get in-state tuition for your children if you're active duty. So I was like, goodbye, Kentucky. I'm going to be a city girl. But not really, because it's you know 20 miles from downtown D.C. at the end of the metro line. Very much suburbia, but still a lot more people than Louisville. It's fun to be close by, I guess, but I definitely thought I would be more in the thick of it. <laughs> I mean, you grew up in Kentucky. 
I graduated from Kentucky. So I always say like when you graduate from Kentucky, you get a minor in bourbon. You actually went to Seattle to get your bourbon education mm-hmm. and and go, I mean, because I, I have to think in that first year, you learned a lot in the tasting room. You learned you a know, lot. I knew flavor profiles, mash bills, all that, but general distillation, I had really no idea what went into it and cooking of the grain and how long it fermented. I mean, on a quick tour through a distillery, you see some of it, but then the questions that I got through that whole first year of, you know, the type of corn we're using and how often the farmer... Well, I can't even think of it now. You know, changes the fields, rotates the crops, all that. Not change the field. I just kind of think of the (laughs) right term. Uh, You know, questions like that that really helped me know the brand a lot and then be able to ask even better questions when I was going on other distillery tours and meeting people, not just in the whiskey industry, but distillation. There's a lot of craft distilleries in Seattle and Washington in general, over 100 now, I think. So it was Aquavit and gin and schnapps made from beer and all these crazy things. And it was a very fun time. So what was the craziest thing you learned? And what was the craziest question you ever got asked when you were giving a tour? Hmm. Well, first, I would say the craziest question I ever got asked is why we use pot in our still. Because on our label, it says pot distilled. And then when you're talking about it on the tour, this is our pot still. And it goes into the column. (laughs) And weed is legal in Washington, but this person could not get it out of their head that this pot was not weed. (laughs) And just didn't believe me by the end of it. And I was like, there's only so much I can say if if you're standing there pointing at it. This is like a big old pot. (laughs) It's like when the pot calls the kettle black. That kind of thing. Huh? Like, so maybe wh- they had too much weed and that's why they were stuck on it. <laughs> you were like, it's like a pot, like what you cook spaghetti in, in the kitchen. Yes. <laughs> yes. I tried. I tried everything under the sun, but they're like, I can't, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> your, your mind and body are pretty fermented right now, but in a few hours, hopefully you'll be distilled. Yes. <laughs> it was quite crazy. That question reminds me is S as in C. Oh man, I hate <laughs> somebody was on the phone with Zeke a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and they were spelling something out. So you know how you go like A as in Alpha, B as in Bravo. Oh yes. Somebody said S as in C. Oh no. I mean it, it like wrecked me for <laughs> still I I think about it. I just have like a, a mental block. I'm like what this kid just uh, Well, he's he's technically not wrong, but <laughs> This is not something you should do to somebody. No, like, are you definitely tro- like, not. I don't know this person is my on the phone. You're a customer. I'm like, are you trolling me right now? Like, <laughs> and then like later, I'm like, but I really want to start saying that to people. Like, that was a really good move. I mean, I'm gonna copycat this one one day. <laughs> oh my the Same gosh. thing with E as an I. Oh gosh, that's a hard one too. So it definitely messes with me. My maiden name was Fleischer, so I had E I S C. That's the order of the letters. So that really confuses me. <laughs> e as an I, and S as in C. You could really just mess with someone with your last name. 100%. Or your maiden name. Yes. But So what's the most interesting thing that you learned in that first year? Because I mean, you're going from leading the tastings to you've ascended very high in the company doing things nationally i mean that means you have to retain information you know your stuff and you're a badass thank you so what is like that stuff that that amazed you as you got to know more 
There were many amazing things. I would say one of the coolest things I think about Woodinville is that the distillers do all the cuts organoleptically. So heads, hearts, and tails. And, you know, you hear about moonshining can go wrong and all this up in the hills and you can go blind if you have all that. And I don't think I really ever understood it until I was there seeing them cut off the the heads and the hearts and the tails. And a big distillery, it's so different because, you know, they're cutting off at different parts in the still. But we have a little bucket, maybe like a five-gallon bucket that they're dropping all the heads into. So, you know, the methanol and acetone come off first. And then once it starts um, becoming odorless, they know that it's switching to ethanol. And then you'll get all that sweet grain flavor. So I thought that was really shocking to be able to stand there and taste it with them and go on. And then once you get to the tails and all the fusel oils and... Uh, you know, they like to describe it like durian and gym socks, which it is very much that earthy kind of dirty flavor. You don't want it. And it stays on the palate for so long. So, of course, too much of that would just ruin your whiskey. You wouldn't want that much, maybe a little bit. So you have a, some flavor complexity in a barrel. But that was really interesting. And then also just how mashes work. You know, of course, you got to mill and cook the grain. But then how long it takes to ferment. And some of them are very angry ferments, like our 100% rye whiskey it's so full of protein and not that many sugars so it starts to bubble up so much so we had to learn how to tamper that keep it in the vessel and not have a two-story rye waterfall like we have had a couple times (laughs) i'm really interested about the cuts because you know some distilleries they're even at a scientific point where they like know the time Mm -hmm. where it's i'm always going to cut at this point we've had excel spreadsheets we've analyzed all the data we know where the cuts are and we're just going to do them there Mm -hmm. some distilleries are so big they have computers telling them when to do the cuts as well like so it's either they've figured out a formula a computer's telling them you're saying y'all just go down there you get the two fingers dip it in you're like all right I'm not smelling anything anymore it's time to go exactly so they know kind of the timeline Every batch is going to be similar, but our still, I would say, is smaller, and we might have different yields, I guess, so it's always going to, minute to minute could be different, and so it's pretty neat that they do still do that. We now have three stills that they're continuing to do this on, so it used to just be the one that they would go over, check it, you know. I think it's like 30 to 40 minutes into the first run is when they know that they're going to switch it over. And so if they're doing anything at that time, they know just to be close to the still. So there's no hard cutoff, but about. They know about the time. They know when they have to start paying attention. Exactly. Get off the phones. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you watch, there are some places where you actually see the distiller just sitting by the still reading a book Mm -hmm. and like with a timer. And they know that, okay, I can read the book, but this timer is going to go off here in about 20 minutes. I got to pay attention. Yes. Exactly. And I mean, you have to constantly keep checking the proof. So we do have more machinery now, but they still add steam or water manually and all that, just making sure the proof is staying about 140 proof, which is what we think we're getting the most flavor of the grain without too much ethanol. I just wonder how long it took to say organolectically without flinching or thinking too much. It, it definitely took a few years. <laughs> yeah, it rolled off. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What just I was like, wait, can you explain this word again? Let's <laughs> yeah. practice saying it in the mirror before I talk about it. <laughs> I remember trying to dissect it, like, organolectically. <laughs> like, 
she said it really good too. I'm really sure that's right. What in the hell does it mean? I definitely Googled it the first time (laughs) because I thought the distiller was messing with me. (laughs) Well, like some of Zeke's jokes, I just didn't respond to that because I knew that I couldn't be trusted to say the word back to you. Like, let's talk about that word again. And then I'm like, no, 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 I got it. Good. You try to say that there, bud. I'm not. I'm good. <laughs> I promise you. you Organoleptically. Oh, I, oh, I said it wrong. There's a P in there. Damn. Thought it was a C. Keep going. I'm just sounding it out in my head. It's okay. Organoleptically. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah you, see? you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable already. Yeah. Three stills. How big are your stills? They are... 5,000 liters, so what is that, 1,300 gallons, and they come from the Coda Company in Stuttgart, Germany. So our original still, we could do about a barrel a day off of it. And then 2015, we moved in to our new distillery, which is about a mile down the road from where we originally were. And we got this first 5,000 liter still, and we've been doing about seven to eight barrels a day from 2015 till last year. Then we shut down for a few months, added these two new stills, four more from fermenters three times larger than our original fermenters and so we're going about 25 barrels a day now so we're not at 24 hour distillation but if we were to do that which our plan is in the next couple of years we can fill about 50 barrels a day so largest distillery in washington but drops in the bucket compared to kentucky and tennessee <laughs> distilleries it's funny because as you grow people don't realize how much a still costs or how much everything costs to hook up to it like the still itself might be 400, 500,000, but then the pipes to hook into it and to make everything work is still another 400 to 500,000. So yes. you're like a million dollars all in. It's like, how big do you make your still in the beginning, knowing that you are going to have to swap it out? And I know that is a question that is above all of our pay grade, <laughs> but it's interesting to me. I would love to ask, and if you know this, how come you got two extra stills instead of getting one bigger still? And I know you do pot stills. Is it a hybrid or is it just a, a, a pot? Yes, it's the pot and column and super efficient distillation. We can do one run, but we were afraid if we went any bigger, it would make a much cleaner whiskey. As you have more plates for that to go up, we thought it would take away too much flavor, you know, because each superometer, there's a word that I don't say very often, um, in the column, you know, acts as a a mini distillation. So right now it's bringing up about 5% alcohol per level in the still. So we have eight plates in each column, not pot still. And, um, at that point it's going to be 140 proof at the top, but if we had a much bigger still, it might distill it faster at a higher proof, if that makes sense. I believe flavor is why they chose to do two more stills. It makes complete sense though. And, and I mean, I would even think the fact that you're saying that they're doing their cuts by hand, they'd rather make less whiskey and make it better then make a whole bunch of whiskey and have it taste like everything else. Exactly. Handcrafted, for sure. Labor of love. <laughs> so does weather affect distilling at all? I mean, I'm sure it gets significantly colder there than it does here, obviously. But also, I'd assume everything's indoors. I just don't know if it, like, you know, at some point it's 
still too cold, I guess, to, to operate and run everything, or you have those kind of downtimes? We don't have any downtimes. Uh, it gets very hot in the summertime. We don't have any air conditioning. 75% of buildings in the Seattle area do not have air conditioning. So the Northwest can get really warm in those summer months, especially if the fires are happening up in the mountains and all that. But we have no issues. We have glycol uh, chillers on the outside of the fermenter so we can keep it a consistent temperature. And it never gets too cold with all the equipment inside that's running. So the stills and the mash tun, heating, you know, holding the mm. hot liquor tanks and all that. And we actually age our whiskey at a separate property from the distillery. So Woodenville, right outside of Seattle, gray and rainy for nine months out of the year, except for those few beautiful summer months where it's not humid. <laughs> and uh, we do all the milling of the grain, mashing, fermenting, distillation. And then over in eastern Washington, on the other side of the Cascade Mountains, is a, the Almond Family Farm. And they actually grow all of our grain for us. And we've been aging our whiskey there since about the first year in. And so the temperature fluctuation over there is extreme more like Kentucky with very cold winters very hot summers biggest difference is it's not humid because it's high desert so they only get about 10 inches or less of precipitation a year and I would say we have greedier angels though they do take a little bit more whiskey out because it's such a dry environment so we typically lose about a percent more per year a percent's not enough to I mean it, it's no. a loss but it's it's not drastic enough we're not losing we're still losing you know, 30% or less of a barrel. And of course, every barrel is different, but it's not like we're putting all this whiskey away for half of it to go away. Yeah, that makes sense. You know so much. Have you got back there and distilled yourself yet? I have not. I have spent a lot of time back there, though. So, you know, as I'm talking with the distillers or working on my computer, I've seen a lot of the moving parts. Uh, personally, I don't really have a desire to man the stills because I'm such a people person. I like being out and chatting and talking and on the road. And I think having that same day-to-day -day schedule would drive me bananas. <laughs> I would just be worried about not cutting at the right time. Then they're just going to blame me for it, obviously. Yeah, so it's tasting too much, right? <laughs> a whole bunch of people lose their eyesight. We're going to go get on yeah. aerial. No, I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> Tell me about the whiskey that y'all are actually producing. I, I know you're at the farm. If you want to talk about mash bills, and I know people get into what type of grain it is. Is it yellow corn? Is it red corn? All that kind of fun stuff. So yes. if you want to set the scene, we are drinking the bourbon right now. Perfect. The bourbon is our flagship product. Brett and Orland love drinking whiskey. You know, they went to high school and college together. They like to say they started at the bottom on the shelf, you know, got what they could afford. And then as they got into their careers, started tasting better and better things. So their favorite hobby was getting together every Friday night and trying a new whiskey. I heard there was a lot of Canadian whiskey in that too, not just bourbon, because of course, Washington's right on the Canadian border. But the laws changed in 2008 where you could legally distill in Washington for the first time since Prohibition. They both separately saw this article in the Seattle Times and they were like, huh, maybe we should do this. And so they cashed in their 401ks, sold their homes. Uh, the, one of their wives cashed in their 401ks as well. And they applied for 14 small business loans before they finally got approved. And so it was in the town of Woodenville, which is known as wine country. There are a lot of secondary tasting rooms. So they'll grow the grapes in Eastern Washington and then have another tasting room that's close to the population of Seattle, close to all the cruise ship tourists and the Seattle airport and all that coming in. 
so that's why we started in Woodinville. It was already a valley of booze and had a lot of booze tourism. So why not have a whiskey distillery with all that wine? And we made bourbon as the first thing. And Dave Pickerel came out, blind tasted Brett and Orlin. Uh, different mash bills. We did bourbons, high rye bourbons, your classic bourbon, and they really like that high rye profile. So it's 72% corn, 22% rye, and 6% malted barley. And all that grain is our staple grains are grown at the Almond Family Farm. So if anyone is interested, it's yellow, dent number two, corn, and a baker's grade of rye, winter rye, and it's just regular two old, two row malted barley, the good old stuff. And so we aged it for five years over on the Almond Family Farm, and we actually got to help create the Craft Distiller series of barrels with the Independent Stave Company. So they sent us 24 different barrels, different stave thickness, seasoning levels, toasting levels, charring levels, and we ended up with an 18-month seasoned wood, heavy toast, heavy char, number four, and only toasted heads. So a lot of flavor in that whiskey. They're, they're wood doctors. I'm not sure exactly what the ologist title is. Uh, <laughs> Independent Stave has done studies and found that this, compared to a regular kiln-dried, heavily charred barrel, is going to provide about 30% more flavor in the five years. So, of course, it costs about 30% more, too. But well worth it if you're only filling about seven barrels a day and not thousands. <laughs> I'm sure they do those studies to you know, back up the, the, the cost as well. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Everything you say about each barrel and how much more or less it puts in the flavor, if you go off the, you know, base price, it seems to follow a linear path here. Is that by design? Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do y'all think? You go ahead. You know me. I don't shut up. So I, I need a second with this whiskey while you tell <laughs> That's her. That's why I was hesitant think. to talk. Uh, you didn't press the little button where the light goes on as he gets to say a word again. Um, I thought the nose very simply was very sweet and floral at the same time Uh, for a 90 proof product obviously there's not any uh, you know ethanol vibes coming off of that but both the sweet and the floral aspects were more than noticeable Uh, palette wise I thought it was very middle of the road which is not a like skirt in the issue thing but literally like any direction you would want to go as far as is it you know, too young, not at all. Too oak, not at all. Too much bite or bitter from the wood, not at all. I think if you look at, you know, like a flavor wheel or something, in maybe not a wheel, but if you were right in the center of, you know, everything you would want to pick up, there's a fair amount of, of everything in each direction. But at the same time, it doesn't go too far. So it definitely just like literally just hovers right in the middle to where I don't, I feel like, you know, we all have different preferences and things that we gravitate towards, but. It's there, you know, the other stuff is there, obviously, but I, I feel like most people would have a hard time, you know, not finding whatever their go-to, uh, you know, flavor profile was. And toward the finish, I get something, a really nutty note. I kind of thought it was pecan-ish. I don't think that's what it is 100%, but it's there really toward the finish. And I don't know what it is, but I really like it. I just keep trying to like rack my head for, uh, you know, pinpointing what that actual flavor is, but... Um, that little twist at the back end is definitely like, oh, that's almost like desserty or something. I think it's very much so desserty. For me on this one, it's got a little craftiness to it. If that, you know, and, and I mean that with peace and love, especially when you hear the story and you know what you all are trying to do, it does not taste mechanical. It's not like somebody pushed a button and then the whiskey came out. It, it has that kind of rough around the edges, more in the mid palate, 
nose is absolutely incredible and it's just a, a little bit of roughness but not like super sweet on the on the palate desserty i kind of have to agree with zeke like it's not a roller coaster there's not highs there's not lows it's balanced it is balanced from front to back but it also has that taste that comes along with it that lets you know that somebody made this like somebody was there and and it almost is kind of a throwback to earlier whiskey that is a little bit rough around the edges and and that's not a bad thing like it's not texas whiskey rough around the edges it's just it's like artisanal whiskey if that makes sense yes definitely i mean i would say the pacific northwest can be kind of wild so (laughs) maybe this is our you know version of having the best bourbon we can with washington state products like i just don't think there's highs and lows but it's packed with flavor there's a lot in there and you could tell that it's coming at you a lot of different ways. So like I'm, I'm getting even on the, the palate, I'm getting some floral, I'm getting some fruit. And I know I'm being super specific with tasting notes <laughs> here, but like there's just a lot. And, and I think it would be disingenuous to sit there and go, let me sit there and list out every little thing I get in this. It's just a super enjoyable pour for me. What's MSRP on this one? All right, yeah. (laughs) So, of course, a few dollars less and a few dollars more, depending on who's marking it up. 40 bucks for that. That's solid. You've listened. You said you listened to a few episodes. We're dads. We take price into consideration. Of course. That's a very fair price for a very good whiskey. Honestly, I'd say middle of the road, I feel like you could take it either way. But at the same time, it's like, well, if you're going to rate like – you know, what you picked up flavor from a one to a five. Most everything except for that finish, which I do like, was probably like a three. But at the same time, there's no one. So, you know, what's better? You know, completely on kilter across the board or lots of peaks and troughs? I, I think I'd go with on kilter. We're kind of moving to this point where we just want something that's enjoyable mm-hmm. and goes down pretty easy. Like that. Well, people ask, like, what's an easy way to start, like, What's well, an approachable product to have neat? I've always drank as a mixer or with ice or this and that, but you know, I want to try something neat, but I also don't want to jump into a cash strength product where I scald myself and, uh, you know, you touch the stove and it's hot once. You, you don't do it again for a right. while, at least, hopefully. Um, but that's where that is. You know, like, like I say, you know, whatever somebody's wheelhouse is, sweet or floral or, you know, they want an oak aspect or they're more corn friendly. I mean, it, it's all there in just a little nice little bundle and, you can easily find whatever it is you're looking for, I would say. Well, what are we drinking next? I've got some rye. Rye not. Let's have some rye. Get that same finish on this. I mean, it's different because it's rye grain, but there's mm-hmm. a, like, whatever that nutty thing is. Like, I, I, I don't the know what that is. Because it's same yeast strain and same barrel specs. <sighs> I feel like it's so noticeable. I would, if I had to bet, I would go oak just because. Yeah. At least most you people might. now try to say that. Yeast is like 10 to 15% tops, whereas, you know, the wood's probably 50, if not 60. Right. And that, it's just so distinctive. It's almost like um, like Jack Rye or bourbon. There's still that banana, this and oh, that Jack element. And some folks want to say it's the yeast. It. It's like, I'm sorry, if yeast is 15% at tops, it can't just be the yeast. There's something yes. else going on. That Missouri seasoned wood. So it's seasoned in Missouri? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where they cooper it. So they're... Missouri plant has traditionally been wine barrels, so we took best wine practices 
for our barrels because if it makes wine great and grapes are so much more delicate than grain that's been distilled it's been pretty neat to see we have a friend that is a sommelier and he says in wine you know everything is always great forward and the taste is supposed to be great forward why is whiskey like why do people get so upset if it's grain forward i mean even in beer you're showcasing the malted barley or whatever other wheat or oats you're putting into it lucky charms lucky you know charms. if you get some of those sours <laughs> hazy ipa stuff going on yeah. but is this 95.5 or is this the 100 percent rye it is 100 percent rye so super unique mash bill we've made every drop of it it is not an easy grain to work with i like to call it the angry mash like i talked about earlier high protein less starch so for the same amount of volume we typically get a barrel or two less per batch so that makes it a, a little more costly. And if anyone is into science and all that, we don't use any malted rye. So we're using non-GMO enzymes. And that's how we can jumpstart the fermentation once we pitch the yeast and all that. Very common, but you know, a lot of people don't talk about it. The little bit at least that I knew is that the malted either barley or whatever component was there is a, a catalyst. So that was as far as my knowledge went. So the, the second half of that, I really didn't understand. But I, <laughs> I, I grasp it. I still understand it, if that makes sense. Yes. So 100% baker's grade rye. I get such a unique profile on it. I've learned recently that rye takes on the terroir of the land. So eastern Washington rye is going to be very different from Canadian or Midwest grown rye, all of that. So let me know what you think. I mean, it's called Baker's, right? It's got to be good in my book. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I get a little bit of pine, but it's not too much like I get in that typical Mm 95.5. Like it's the slightest hint of it, but it's not overpowering. And it's like, I am not friends with 95.5 rye right now. It's not them, it's me. And I need some time and space to myself. And I've been looking for other ryes, like Kentucky ryes. I like the 50 whatever percent rye mm-hmm. and there's some corn in there. But this is different. And how how long is it aged? It's also five years. So same specs as the bourbon. They're both coming off at 140 proof. We fill our barrels at 110 proof. Same barrel specs of that season, toasted and charred wood. But the flavor profile, drastically different from our bourbon. But it's a mellow rye. Mm-hmm. Like, I think with this one, it's just an easy sipper. The flavor is there, but it's not like... This is 90 proof as well, right? 90 proof as well. No burn, no hug. It's just a nice drinker. I would have to uh, agree there for the most part. I thought it nosed, you know, kind of like a sweet tarts a little bit. Oh, 100%. It's candy on the nose. It's definitely that, that nice balance of... Just sweet and tart that I think appeals to uh, the kid and or adult and all of us. <laughs> um, I thought the profile was was pretty subtle. I mean, you, you can definitely pick up that it's a rye product, but I would say in a good way. Um, like John said, he hasn't been huge on rye lately. I'm, I'm not that far uh, to one side. I try to balance it out, but... Generally speaking, when folks will ask us stuff, you know, especially in terms of rye, it's, it's much more of a, you, know, you kind of got to dance around making recommendations or fill people out more because we all would disagree on rye as much as we would probably agree on a bourbon as far as, you know, what the consensus people would like, yeah. I would say. But I thought that really does, you know, especially at the proof point, just give you enough influence to know you're, you're getting a rye and enjoy the elements that a rye forward product can give. And the back, I thought, had just enough singe to give you a little bit of hug squeeze you know uh, it lets you know it's there which 
to me, you know, if a ride doesn't do that at some point, it kind of missed the boat. <laughs> I know everybody doesn't like that aspect of it, but at the same time, it's just an intangible. Like if you're drinking a rye, at some point there needs to be a little bit of, you know, hey, don't forget about me over here. Yeah. I'm not going to lull you to sleep just yet. <laughs> Has to make itself known. Indeed. And uh, the, again, the, the finish, I, I pick up some of that kind of unique aspect. The, the rye changes the way it's perceived a little bit, but... At least with that, I think I would probably guess that unique barrel would be imparting the flavor since it's in both sets of juice. But it's definitely unique in a good way, not over in the corner away from everybody, ostracized or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's two left on the table. Let's do one of them. Okay. What's your favorite out of what's left? Oh, that's hard. Well, you'll have to try both of them at some point. We will. I, I mean, say let's go cast drink bourbon. Unless you feel like a little dessert-like port finished bourbon. I mean, generally speaking, neither of us are the biggest on finishes, just being completely honest. And we tell that to ever. Look, <laughs> <laughs> Had to pour some out for the homies. You do that. <laughs> there I ask Zeke one thing. He can't set up the equipment for me. I go, hey, could you just pour a little bit in my glass? He gets it all over my hand. You held that at the worst angle ever. Well, it's 120 proof, so it should sanitize anything. Uh, you know, just leave a, uh, a, a memory stain there. You know, it's character. Uh, but no, generally we're not the biggest on those. And we tell folks that ahead of time, like, if it's someone's really amazed by it, then they are going to be let down if we don't have the same reactions. Like, we should probably try that after you leave. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'd we'll, be curious to know your thoughts. Um, we'll try it in front of you. My thought was, too, the, the, even just the 90-proof bourbon had such a dessert element to the back end of it. Mm -hmm. When you said that it was possibly desserty, I'm like, I don't know if it's going to hang with it. And then you're competing against yourself already. That's just not a good thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Knowing their story... There's no doubt in my mind they had to do a wine finish, and I know they will end up probably doing more than just the port. Absolutely. Considering, and I bet there's some awesome partnership opportunities with some vineyards that are up there that they might even want to finish a wine in a bourbon barrel as you will finish a bourbon barrel in their wine. Yes, there's definitely... Woodenville bourbon finished red wines out in Washington. Oh, I mean, you got to cater to the hometown. I mean, I, I get that completely. Um, you know, just like uh, you know, Traverse City has the uh, the cherry finish thing they do with all the local cherries because that's what's huge right where they are. And you know, they, they talk about how much they sell, and we tried it, and I was like, this is one of your best moving skews. Like, okay, <laughs> hometown crowd, but. You know, everybody, like, depending on what region or little area you're in, like, there's always stuff that folks just love and gravitate to. And anytime, they, like, anyone from outside the area comes in, they're like, what the hell is wrong with these people? This is what they love. But, I mean, if you're raised on it, then, you know, it's just all you know. It's those old factories and memories and senses and stuff. Well, yeah. the people in Woodenville, Washington, we know from Ariel's tours that they like wine, whiskey, and pot. I, I picked up on that. Yeah. A fun state. <laughs> but if you're getting all those three, there's got to be some food too. Yes, yes. Lots of good food. You know, salmon's pretty big out there. I guess some other seafood as well. Does he, you've been drinking this cast strength. You're swishing it around in your mouth. What are you thinking? I'm thinking it would be really fun to play with the cask and diluting it down towards 90 and seeing how many different flavors and profiles emerge as you kind of move across that, I guess, gradient or scale or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. 
at cast strength, I think it definitely shows that it does have some youth to it and obviously some subtle nuances are much easier to pick up there. Whereas I think the 90 proof is, I mean, to say it would be a crowd pleaser, I, I think that's the best term for it in all its simplicity. So I, I think it'd be fun to, you know, the, the 30 proof points that are there, kind of, you know, see how that changes as you go over time. And at the same time, seeing where that 90 proofer is for the same age, uh, you know, as some of the barrels get a little bit older and whatnot, seeing how much more that cash strength can mellow out with some time and age and get even, you know, more of the, the barrel into it. I'm much more intrigued there as well. Well, we do hope to up age as we get older. It's definitely on our goal, especially now that we have more barrels coming off the still. And this is a batch, I believe, of three barrels. So our normal batches are typically about 60 now that we have our full bottling lineup. They were 20 before, so it's been the last five months that we've been bottling over in Quincy now. So this was a special batch just for a tasting room. The only way to get this cast strength bottling is in our tasting room, but we do have a single barrel program around the country that okay. is cast strength just like this, but of course not a blend of a few barrels. I can't get over this nose. It is like a chocolate donut. You know, maybe it's because we were talking about donuts <laughs> when we started this, but it's like the chocolate glazed donut. It's not, you know how like the, they have the old fashioned donuts that are tan. And then they kind of have like the step up. You're not getting to the fully glazed donut, but it's the chocolate version of that with like a light glaze on it. That is what I am getting on the nose here. That's my favorite kind of donut. Really? Yes. That's a hundred or the little yeast ones that are not the cake donuts, the yeast ones that are self frozen or whatever. And then they just dip the little bit of chocolate on top. Yeah. 100%. But maybe that's also why I like bourbon the best, because you pick up <laughs> notes like that. Well, it's just super, super sweet on the nose. I think I'm just still too spoiled by how easy the 90 proofer was. Like everything else, I think we all kind of go in waves as far as what we gravitate towards or want or looking for. But normally, John and I would probably, uh, at least if you ask us blindly, oh, we want the cash shrink, not the 90. But that 90 is just so easy. Like, don't have to think, worry, flinch, like... <laughs> You know, I'm just going to get another one. <laughs> well, I know you're not supposed to have a favorite, just like you're not supposed to have a favorite kid, but the 90 proof is my favorite <laughs> because of that reason. I could sit there and have a few. If I had a few 120 proof pours, I would not be feeling the same as a few 90 proof pours. Well, I would almost argue that I feel like the 90 has more flavor than the cast strength does. That's the difference for me is that, you know, and I'm, I'm sure the toast and the, the char are the same mm -hmm. for the cast strength as, as it is for the 90, but the mid palate kind of drops off for me on the cast strength. Like there's some fruitiness in the front, a little bit of that chocolate carries over for me, but then once it hits mid palate, it kind of just fades away, which I'm not expecting that for the 120 proof. And so I see Zeke's point, like maybe dialed in and like you could see it at like 116 proof really kind of come to life but that 90 proof it's just funny like they it's dialed in and normally i will tell you i have a problem when things are just 90 on on the nose right like mm -hmm. it's like what if 90.3 was where it should have been like and <laughs> or what if and this is more for ltos not for you know, your standard offering, you pick 90 and it's 90, right? But like you put an LTO out 
and you're like, here it is, this whiskey, it's aged 17 years, but it's 90 proof. Did you just waste 17-year whiskey and like arbitrarily pick a proof? Or did you sit there and taste it and go like, here it is at 98.3. Here it is at 96.7. What made you pick 90? That's what's funny, because normally the lower the proof, it's more agreeable to people because there is inevitably less flavor. So I guess by being harder to disagree with, it's more agreeable. You know, kind of back it backs itself into that, but it does. That thing pops in flavor. I'm I'm impressed with that. I'll say that for sure. What's the price difference from the cast strength and the ninety? We sell our single barrels and our cast strength at the distillery at sixty nine ninety nine. So definitely more. Um, with a higher proof point and all that. And then, of course, for our single barrel offerings out there, the, you get the barrel and the special label and all that. At this point, I'm buying two of the 90 because, you know, obviously <laughs> you got to drink a little bit more to get as much as you would out of that cast strength. But thankfully, you know, I can buy basically two bottles for the price of one and I'm going to live with that 90. That 90 is damn good. Not saying the cast strength isn't, like, I'm not saying... It does not have its place, and it does not have merit. I'm just saying, that 90 proof is so damn good. You know, John, for once, you're making decent sense. I do what I can. It's not going to happen again for a while, I'm pretty sure. Blind squirrel (laughs) finds a nut every once in a while. (laughs) Ariel, what else should we expect with Woodenville? Are you guys at the point right now where you're just looking to expand in other markets when your capacity goes up, or are you looking at introducing new SKUs or where's everybody's head at at this point we're going to focus the next few years on growing the markets we're currently in looking to go to new markets so 23 states still got quite a few more and we also want to start upaging some products so at some point we can get an age statement hopefully double digits that's what i would love to see what this whiskey is going to taste like the oldest we've done so far is eight years old it was phenomenal everything we've bottled to this point is five years old And so decent, especially for craft whiskey, that's 100% grain to glass. But we do hope to get bigger, have some older whiskey, and then be in every state. And I think it'd be awesome to be international, so hopefully I can go on those trips. (laughs) you got to make sure you get those points and they bump you up to first class, right? Like Absolutely. Decline the first class on the hour-long flight. Save it for when you got to go international. Yes. That's great advice. So the people can find Woodenville. What's the socials? What's your social? Tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. On Instagram, we're at Woodenville Whiskey Co. On Facebook, same thing, Woodenville Whiskey Co. I'm Ariel Yan or A-Ray Yan, A-R-A-E-J-A-H-N. I'm not going to say anything like F is in, you know. (laughs) 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 But find me on Instagram. I'll go live occasionally from our Woodenville handle. And I'm on Facebook too, but I never check that. So sorry if any of you reach out to me on there. I just thought about it. You could do A as an I. Like I like a pirate, A-Y-E. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you definitely Arr. used all your goodness on the uh, the 90 proofer. And now you've just gone back to normal, John. Dad jokes for life. <laughs> I mean, dad jokes, just a bad joke. Well, Ariel, thank you so, so much for coming. We hope you come again. We hope this is not the first time that you come visit us in Nashville. And next time we'll go out with you and go to Robert's to get a bologna sandwich. Perfect. I'm ready for it. Thank you so much for having it on and giving me your feedback about Woodenville. And this definitely won't be the last time. 
and more people should check them out. Go get that nine. I mean, go get them all. That ninety proofer though. Get two. Give me one. Find us on Facebook at Dad's Drinking Bourbon, Twitter at Bourbon Dads, Instagram at Dad's Drinking Bourbon. Find us wherever you download your podcast, but you already have because you're listening to us right now. Leave us an open and honest review, like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink. Where else can the folks find us? Zeke Baker. Good old Nashville, Tennessee. Cheers. Ciao.